You're listening to The Association Show. My name is Torben Grosser. And I'm Katrina Franzoy. In this episode, you will get to listen to the inclusion panel hosted by Zina Bünte. If you are wondering what the point is of offering presentations as a podcast, kindly go back to episode zero, where I take more time to explain how exactly we got here. Now, let's talk about how we built the interactive fishbowl session. Do association boards need more inclusion? So as we know, inclusion can be a very broad topic. So I brought up the idea to Torben about specifically talking about age inclusivity. How were boards who were of an older generation listening to their members who were from younger generations? I saw this as important because I was thinking it could give boards the opportunity to understand how to keep their membership engaged, which means higher retention rates and, and a few other positives as well when you're keeping your membership engaged, obviously, with associations. Plus, would the younger generations be able to help boards navigate a technology-driven world? Talking with Sina, she said she knew of a few associations that were working with a shadow board of younger members and advisors. So we had our topic and now we had to figure out how to deliver it. And this would be our third and final interactive session of the association show. And as we were trying to brainstorm what to do, an idea popped into my head. And I asked Katrina, do you know what a fishbowl is? I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, and so for those like Katrina back then, um, here's the definition of a fishbowl. A fishbowl conversation is a form of dialogue that can be used when discussing topics within large groups. Fishbowl conversations are sometimes also used in participatory events such as on conferences. The advantage of the fishbowl is that it allows the entire group to participate in a conversation. Several people can join the discussion. So, um... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, that you did not just give your own theme song <laughs> I think we need to take that out. Oh, no, leave it in. It's funny. It's funny. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Uh, and so we were trying to, to think about how we can make this work. And one, one of our biggest challenges with having a fishbowl was that um, that inability to predict whether or not people are going to participate or not and so here, here's the thing if you're doing live voting and only half of the people vote nobody's going to know if you are using ask of question features like you can probably add in a few questions here and there by yourself and kind of you know get the ball rolling but if you're doing a fishbowl, that's like really high stakes. So in, initially, we wanted Sina to just host it by her own. And then we thought, okay, let's give her one expert to actually kick off the discussion. And I think, um, I think we ended up with three or four experts with Sina on the initial, uh, like on the initial roster, right? Uh, three, yeah. We had uh, Meredith Adler, Tim Lougheed, and David Allison. Right, yeah. And so um, we are kind of right. So actually with this one, we saw that it, it was 
it was not the greatest audience participation. Uh, I'm not sure if that was because it was the week, week after Thanksgiving or because the theme didn't quite sit right. We saw some audience interaction, but um, it was it was a bit uh, a bit tougher. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we also didn't let people really know too much ahead of time that they had the chance to be on camera. And I feel like with, with virtual audiences, I feel like that's a, a kind of like an integral piece, like to know that there might be a chance that you're going on camera means like for me, I'm not going to show up on camera looking like a, like I just rolled out of bed. You know, I like to have some mm. prep time. So, and I like to kind of be forewarned about that. Mm. So that's something maybe would have helped. Um, yeah, for next time. But we did have a brave soul that, that came onto the stage uh, with us during this event Yeah, that's, to, to that, add. That's true. And, and, and I mean, she contributed quite quite well to the event. So I was, I was really happy for her to participate. But yeah, I, I, I was happy with the session. And I, I think, um, you know, you asking Sina to bring all these on, bring on all these other people. In the end of the day, we ended up with a good panel where one person even came in and joined and, and was saying a few things that were outside of the scope of the panel. So it's all great. But yeah, it didn't it didn't quite work out as planned, um, quite 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 honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, tweaks for next time. I, I would I would want to explore this kind of format again, mm -hmm. if I'm honest, because now that we know, because we also had to brainstorm and figure out how we could bring on audience members like live on the virtual stage. Mm -hmm. um, so we did a few uh, tests uh, to like, so we did do a few testing um, things with our event producer, Nathan, uh, to make sure that it could work. Um, so once we realized we had it, like that was that was really cool. We just didn't, yeah, like 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 you said, we didn't know how receptive the audience was going to be, and and we were taking like a bit of a gamble, but that's kind of again like what we talked about in in the last episode. If you're if you're not taking the gamble now, then when would you feel comfortable taking the gamble? Speaking of gambles, like you were taking the biggest gamble in this entire episode by texting me ten minutes before the session starts. <laughs> how to pronounce Sina Bunter's last name. Um, and I, I, yep. yeah, I, Can I, confirm. I, I sent you a voice memo. Uh, what a time to be alive. And by the way, if you're listening closely, I mean, I, I mean, no, no offense, Katrina, but you still botched it. Um, I didn't so, even try to pronounce it. Yeah, you didn't try. I didn't. And, I didn't. I, I botched it in the fact that I was like, uh, I'm still too nervous about this. Eh, we're just going to not. <laughs> For all of you, in full, here is the fishbowl. Do associations need more inclusion? Have fun. Enjoy, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this session. Uh, greetings from Barcelona, Spain. It's uh, almost wine time here, and everybody talks about wine in the chat. So you're getting me excited for that, but after this amazing discussion. So today we are talking about board of directors, diversity and inclusion. And I know this is not an easy topic, um, but I think it's interesting and important to discuss. And we only have 25 minutes and we're going to experiment, as uh, Katrina says. So let's see how that works. And we might only scratch the surface a little bit. But anyways, we will pay attention to that. And let's just start with that. 
So, um, as she said, we're going to experiment a little bit. So there should be a link in the chat very shortly, which means you can click on it and join our and join our discussion. So, because we are doing a fishbowl, and if you know a fishbowl from an in-person conference, you know what that means. It means you have basically have two circles, and we are now the inner circle, us four, and you all are the, the outer circle, and maybe one of you guys want to join us, want to join the discussion, and you can when you click on the link that is in the chat. Mm -hmm. So, whenever you feel like you want to ask a question, you want to make a statement, just click on the link, and we'll put you on live. So before we do that, and I hope somebody will join us later on, um, let me introduce this fantastic panel that we have here today. So let me start with David. Um, David is the founder of the Value Graphics Project, the world's first accurate map about what we really care about. And you'll hear about what that means later on. So stay tuned. Then we have Tim. Tim is the executive director of the World Federation of Science Journalists. Um, he has 30 years of experience being a journalist, and he's, he was a board member of that association himself before. So he knows what the feeling is to be a board member. Um, the World Federation of Science uh, journal, Journalist Science has 67 members from 51 countries and an extended membership of over 10,000 organizations. And then we have Meredith. Meredith is the executive director of Student Energy. And she works effectively with the energy industry, governments, and organizations to create space for young people to lead in the transition to, um, to, to a sustainable and equitable energy future. So welcome to this fantastic panel, everybody. And I see the link is now put in this um, is in the chat. So whenever throughout we when we discuss, you want to join us, just click there, and the tech team will put you on stage with us. So let me start with asking a couple of questions to the to the panelists. Um, let me start with David. So David, um, board of directors are representatives of an association, basically of the membership. Can you explain us in your thoughts on how association boards should be put together according to your, your ideas? I'd love to. Thanks for having me over. Nice place you have here. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's fun to come and visit. Uh, welcome to my big beige box of a hotel room that I'm staying in right now. Um, the research we've done is to build this uh, first ever global database of shared human values that's segmentable for 180 countries around the world. And it's given us a map, a kind of record of what our values are. And the reason this is important is because our values drive all our behaviors and decisions and emotions for every human everywhere on earth. And now we kind of know what's going on. We can look at it and see and let's figure out what's going on with different groups of people. So my comments about board diversity and about how boards should be coming together are based on this sociological perspective of what our core human values are, what really matters to people in here. And so here's my thoughts around board diversity. I have a term I like to use, I just call it deep diversity. I think that it's important for us to understand that what we're engaging with now, this journey we're beginning while we talk about board diversity and diversity of all our organizations, not just boards, is a beginning of this journey. 
and that it's important for us to look at all of the kinds of ways we can build diversity into an organization. But if we want deep diversity, which maybe maybe it's the second step, maybe it's the third step, maybe it's the first step for really ambitious groups, we have to align our boards, not only with the outward facing characteristics of diversity that we're continuing to have these conversations about, but with what's inside. So I think step one is to understand the values, the shared values of your membership, and perhaps even the industry that your membership represents, and then build a board that's based on those kinds of ideas. We need to make sure that we have diversity of values around the table too, and not just a group of people who are identical to each other, except for we have our uh, female and we have our gay guy. I can say that because I'm gay. Uh, we have our, uh, we can't just make this about ticking the boxes. And I think the way to go beyond that is to understand what people's true core human values really are, match that to the membership, and then apply the layers of diversity that we're talking about very publicly and openly and, and, and beautifully all around the world right now. We've got to do both. So it's deep diversity is what I'm uh, out there trying to get people to consider. Interesting, interesting. And I see Tim nodding. So uh, feel free to jump uh, directly, jump um, answer to, to what, what David was saying. Um, but before that, I also have a general more question um, for you, big, um, Tim. Um, because the, the, I saw that the board of directors for the World Federation of Science Journalists is pretty diverse, and they are the majority are women, which I found really remarkable. Um, so, is are there special criteria in in your bylaws, let's say, in are there special criteria that have to be applied, or how you select the board of directors for the association? So the the short answer to that is no. Um, the uh we're we're an open church uh it, it, it's and it always has been that way uh the the beauty of this organization is that we we came to the party diverse uh as you pointed out we represent uh, organizations in 51 different countries um huge diversity of background and yet and this is why i was nodding with what david said because there's always an interface between the common values that people all bring to the table and the uh, the distinctions between those values. So um, at the at one level, amongst this broad diversity of uh, cultures, of countries, of national interests, of politics, everything, um, there's a common interest in science. There's a common interest in science writing. There's a common interest in journalism and free expression. Um, and this is shared. I remember it as a young journalist first getting involved with this type of organization and being in the room and thinking, this is my tribe. I love these people. They're so nerdy. They care deeply about you know, space telescopes and how much they cost and who builds them and so on and so forth. Um, at the same time that we have this shared culture where we all talk about the same science fiction novels and uh, um, issues in the, in the global community of science, technology, and medicine, um, there are national distinctions. People bring different things to the table and, and they don't necessarily fit the traditional boxes, um, which is the best part, which is why having it as an open church is the way to go. Because if we did try to create categories and say, you know, we'll have so many of these folks, so many of those folks, you box yourself in and you're not ready for the future. Um, 
the uh, different countries have evolved at different rates in the sense of uh, all of these issues, the way they approach science, how their politics has changed, their economies have changed, and so on. Um, and we're ready to absorb that as a board. Um, and I very much, uh, I wanted to note this before I forget it, I very much love Sheila's point about intra-board mentorship. Um, the, um, we, we don't we are an open church in the sense that we don't just expect senior people to show up. If there's someone young who says, wow, this looks like a cool crowd, I'm going to jump in. And, you know, they may be in the Silicon Valley, I'm going to move fast and break things kind of mentality. That's okay. They're welcome there because there is a form of mentorship that takes place. And again, I've experienced this directly in my own career. Um, and I did move fast. I broke a lot of things um, and it benefited me. And now I'm on the other side where I have all these people mentoring me, which I, or that I'm mentoring, which I sometimes can't believe that they even listen to me. But, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. This is how this progresses. It's the circle of life. Yeah. Can I jump back in there for a second and just reinforce? Um, uh, and then Meredith, I'm sorry, I, you haven't even had a chance to talk yet. I'm already talking for the second time. It's like I'm having two donuts. And you haven't even had one. The um, uh, I just wanted to reinforce something that you said. But uh, the, this database we've built, we've 600,000 surveys around the world now with a more accuracy and, and confidence you need for a Harvard PhD. And what we've discovered is that there's only 56 core human values and that they vary from one region, one country to another, but it's only 56. So we're far more similar to each other than we would like to believe. But within those 56 different values that can be driving how humans behave and how they feel, there's lots of room for variation. I like to talk about it like a piano keyboard. You know, it's the same 56 notes playing the songs, but some people like jazz and some people a little bit more into hip hop and it doesn't, it's, but so there's the similarities are there and those cultural differences have room to grow as well. I think what you're doing sounds, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> Good. Okay. And, and before we continue talking about that, I would like to give the, the chance to Meredith to, to, to say something as well, because um, in, in her association, I think because a student energy, it's a, it's a membership organization and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong for like young people. And I think this is so, so remarkable. And, and I feel that a lot of associations, they struggle with engaging the younger members or, or some associations are even dying out because there are no young people coming, coming up to, to enter the, the membership or, and well, not even talking about entering the, the board of directors. So what can, do you have any tips basically? What can we learn from your association? How do we engage more with young people and how can we make sure that they also want to join the board of directors and it's not something like okay they are only seniors um they would never listen to me etc so what what tips do you have for the rest of us uh, association people yeah thank you for that um so to clarify yeah student energy we're a network of 50,000 young people in 120 different countries and then we also have our own um, board of directors um and so i think um in terms of youth engagement I mean, this is something I work with groups on all the time. I work primarily with the energy industry and then other intergovernmental bodies like the UN. Um, and and honestly, um, you know, there are a few core tips, but a primary issue is is really 
um, creating a space for young people. I think it's easy to assume um, that people can come to you and and kind of be part of things, but often boards are really overlooking the fact that they have their own kind of internal ways of operating, that they need to do capacity building and skill building specifically on the board and what your role on a board may be. They need to do uh, mentorship. I'm glad mentorship has been uh, acknowledged. Um, really, um, co-mentorship is what I emphasize. So both creating opportunities for board members to learn from young people and learn from their perspectives and really be taking in their ideas, but also mentorship on, you know, how boards work, how they take in ideas um, and what it would take to, to change things. And I think a common issue I see time and time again is people will create one board seat for a young person or a person of color or indigenous person and, and kind of expect that to be what they need to do. But often if you're only taking on one person, they will immediately feel quite isolated. Um, and so it's important to be taking on more than one person if you're trying to take on, on new people and help them be a bit of a collective and, and feel more supported within that. Um, and then I think also it's important to recognize that taking on new types of people um, and actually making space for people requires resources. It often requires um, funding, um, maybe honorariums, depending on what your board looks like, um, especially when we're looking at people who have um, traditionally been excluded from these opportunities, which is uh, most boards. Um, most boards have systemically excluded people in the past, um, it, whether or not it's the current board members who have done this. And so being able to create new space also means really thinking through equity mechanisms that it'll take to integrate young people. And then finally, um, make sure you're following up on all the ideas you get. They might not be ideas that you can take on, um, but that's another common issue is, 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 you know, people come in, they will express new ideas or, or kind of different ways of thinking about things. But if nobody responds or takes them up on it, they're very likely to quit within six months after that um, or become really combative. And either way, it's not really a, a positive situation. And so being sure that you're really honoring those new values and those new ideas that you're taking in um, because as David said, you know, a lot of the core values aren't different, but often how they're being expressed is different. The level of urgency with which they're being expressed is different. Um, and it's important to recognize that you're taking that on really intentionally. Yeah, no, good point. I think like if you if you give young people a voice, you know, make sure that you try to implement their ideas or at least, yeah, you, that you note them and, and not just ignore them. Um, because young people have a lot of ideas and they, you know, they, they, they come with a different mindset maybe to the table than, than other generations. So let's, let's give them a voice. Let's, let's make them heard. I think that is, that is really important. And I totally agree with you. And I see Ronnie's um, comment here. And again, you know, if anybody wants to join Ronnie, if you want to join our fishbowl and make your comment live, feel free to do so. Um, uh, you can join the inner circle, <laughs> so to say. Um, and, and she's saying, uh, for her association, it's very, very difficult to get young people and teachers involved um, and certainly not on the board. Um, we are really struggling in so many areas. They lost odd, uh, eight board members on our membership um, and the membership is now at 50 percent. Uh, and she's worried about that, that the association might die out. So, um, so Ronnie, also, if you want to touch base with Meredith afterwards, how to how to maybe change that a little bit also with David, you know, maybe he can provide you a bit of uh, ideas on, on, on how to maybe structure your membership a bit differently and look at that in a different way just to save it. Um, I think um, they are more than happy to, to discuss um, further. And uh, Ronnie is also saying that um, she loves the comment about 
taking on um, taking on one person of color, one indigenous person. We have been doing that, but they have never uh, never been members at all. We try to get them involved in projects on the board, but they are they just quit because they never understood the commitment. Okay, then of course, if you if you want to step up and you want to be part of the board of directors, it is a commitment, of course, right? So it's it's uh, it's a voluntary ro role most of the times, but it, you have to commit time to it. Um, but it is something um, you know very very valuable for for the for the entire membership of the association um, as well. Um, yeah, and I'm. Uh, already talking too much. So if anybody of you guys want to want to comment on that, uh, feel free to do so. And there is an audience member. I think it is Ronnie. Is it yes, Ronnie? it is. I'm, hi. Hi there. I'm kind of getting two feeds, but I'll try to tell, tell you. Um, I'm a member of the Mass Foreign Language Association. And um, we have been working on the diversity. Um, the two years of the pandemic that we had here in Massachusetts, um, during the two years of the pandemic, we uh, had a, a, a a um, president who had already all of a sudden become a um, district supervisor. And she had like kindergarten through 12th grade supervising a lot of teachers, not uh, not doing what they should, a lot of them quitting. So she kind of had a lot of excuses that we were all too stressed out. And so during that time, um, I think we made excuses and it should have been a time when we were all on Zoom. Everybody knew how to use it. The, the association had it, but we never sat together in small groups and brainstormed. I thought it was a great year to brainstorm. How can, what, what are things we can do? How can we get people involved again in the order? We never did anything. We had a couple of little meetings. They were, you know, like, you know, just a couple of reports and that was it. Um, another thing in the president before, before her, um, he was very interested in bringing on diversity and he wanted his his definition of diversity was a person of color. So we started doing that. But it seemed like what we were doing was we were just picking these random people and, you know, we'll, we'll find someone and we'd find somebody. It, they almost to me, they seemed like they were token people, which bothered me a lot. Um, they had never been members. They didn't know anything about the association. They didn't. I think they even did not understand the time commitment that um, that they had. You know, we, we don't just sit around doing nothing. We have professional development. We have workshops we offer. We have webinars. We have a newsletter. Um, so I think that many of them didn't. So they came on to onto the board. And this year, we we lost them. They, they all quit. We have eight new people on a board of a board of directors of 12. That's really scary. Um, we usually have four going off four going on. But this year we have eight. Um, and again, Three of the new people, again, trying to meet that, quote, diversity, which I, I agree with you. It was a very narrow, um, narrow definition of diversity that he got us looking at. We're bringing on these people. They've never been members. They have to join to become members, to become on the board. And and it's really, you know, really a strange thing that it's we're strange. doing that. You know, yeah. Ronnie, this is, this yeah. is exactly um, what, yeah. what I started with here, that um, mm -hmm. in order to get past what you've referred to as yeah. uh, token, tokenism, yeah. uh, we need to look at deep diversity. 
We need to look at getting a group of people together who have different perspectives on what's important in life and what's important in the world and what's important in the way they see things. We have to apply the layers of outward facing diversity that are necessary yes. as well. We have some wrongs to right, but yeah. we can't just do it by, uh, you know, yeah. I'll tell you one quick story and then, then we'll move on. Um, okay. I got a phone call from an unnamed organization a while ago who asked me if I would come onto their board. Never heard of them, don't really understand their industry. So I asked why. Uh, and they said, well, because you're Métis, which for those of you who are, aren't from Canada, it's an indigenous um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. tribe here, uh, and, uh, and you're gay. So uh, we'd, like, we'd like to have that on our board. I was like, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to be the guy who comes and gives you uh, uh, two tokens for one, two for the price of one. That's not, that's, I, I don't, this is just not, this isn't, this isn't appropriate. Uh, So we need to get to that point where we're understanding the values of the organization and building diversity. Yes, the view to all those other aspects. Right. Primarily, we need to understand who we have in the room, not what we have in the room. And I think that's the distinction. Um, And um, it's when trying to establish a new association, how can you engage the positive people who will allow others to grow and nurture the community versus the negative people who will be trying to take control and still be inclusive. This is really my dilemma today, and you guys can decide who wants to take that. Um, maybe I'll speak quickly as I, I might have to log off here. Um, so, um, I mean, I think it's really important to be setting kind of ground rules around your association. Also, application processes are very important, even if you are reaching out to specific people and asking them to apply. Um, it's it's really important that people are doing this out of their own personal motivation and being there for the right reasons rather than, um, you know, feeling like they're doing the founder a favor or something of that nature. It, it, it really makes a big motivational shift. Um, and then and then being very intentional about how you're curating things and, um, and you setting some doesn't necessarily have to be the bylaws, but some ground rules around, you know, we're here for um, one of my favorite phrases is no opposition without proposition, you know, so thinking about how do we create positive mindsets within um, groups that are trying to solve new types of problems. Perfect. Um, if anybody else wants to wants to jump uh, and say something else, and if not, I think because we are right on time, um, and the other speakers are waiting already, which is which is really really good. So we keep the conversation going. Um, if you want to connect with Meredith, Tim, or David afterwards or another day, you can do so. Their contact details are in the description of this session, and I would like to thank you all for. Uh, listening to us and joining the discussion. I know it was very, very short and like very fast paced, but let's not stop talking about diversity and uh, in board of directors. Let's continue the discussion um, and I'll see you next time. And now back to Katrina. Thanks a lot. The Association Show is a production by EventMobi, hosted by me, Tom Grosser and Katrina Franzoy. Katrina Franzo is also our lead producer. I'm the executive producer. Francisco Sietzkowski is the video and audio editor. Ryan Sterno and Nathan Roberts are our live stream producers. Queenie Xu and Jean-Nim are our graphic designers. You can find the association show everywhere you get your podcast from and on eventmobi.com slash the association show. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>